So we'll go ahead and get started. Let me pray for us, and then we'll get into the lesson. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, this weekend and the celebrations that are going on. We pray that you'd be with folks that are traveling this weekend, um, that they, you keep them safe um, and bring them back safely. We thank you for um, our country, uh, and we thank you for um, this time that we get to spend together. We thank you for our church, and we pray that you'd be with uh, these words that I speak today and the discussions that we had, that it would all be honoring to you. Uh, and edifying to all of us and we also pray for the worship service that is to come that you would be uh, there with us uh, and that we would um, we would give you glory in that setting as well we pray all these things in jesus name amen all right well we're gonna we're transitioning from three weeks of talking about the word of god to talking we're gonna have two weeks on prayer so uh, Danny will be here next week to follow up with a little bit more of the practical application of prayer. Uh, and so this session is really kind of uh, meant to be more of an overview of prayer uh, and how that relates to the as an ordinary means of grace. So the, the, the picture that we're uh, painting is, or the, the class that we're talking about is, is the ordinary means of grace. So um, I know that we've discussed this, but what is the what is an ordinary means of grace? What is that? terminology refer to you get something you don't deserve okay that's what all of us yeah <laughs> that's what do it yeah so the the uh, definition that we've been working with is the means that god has given his children to be spiritually nourished and to grow in his grace so ordinary meaning not just basic but ordinary meaning kind of the daily flow of the christian life as separated from the grace that is given to us in our salvation and, and creating our right standing with god these are the things that god has given us um, so that we can grow and be sanctified more and more uh, we we taught the i think jeremy in the introduction talked about that it's appointed by god that it's empowered by the holy spirit and that it points us to Christ, uh, and it's meant to sustain and nourish us, to grow us um, in uh, our relationship with Christ and our union with Christ. So, how uh, does prayer fit into that? And that's what we're going to kind of talk about. So, my, my goal for today is to really kind of connect the ordinary means of grace and add prayer to that um, thing, to, to that. Uh, talk a little bit about the doctrine of prayer. What why we pray what's the purpose of prayer a little bit about like the structure of prayer like how should how should we pray what should we be saying when we pray and then maybe a little bit of time at the end talking about some maybe misconceptions about prayer um so how does prayer fit in well i listened back to the the previous sessions and one of the sessions that struck me was week two when jeremy moritz was talking about um scripture and scripture reading as a means of grace and he kind of started by talking about how we have access to the Bible like we've never had before. We have Bible, like print Bibles and apps, and we can access scripture in so many different ways, but we don't. And I think that can be true for prayer as well. I think prayer is even more accessible uh, than scripture. We don't need an app. We don't need anything. We just need, you know, ourselves and our mind and maybe some quiet time. Um, but that it's one of the things that is a struggle and you know I might be teaching this class but I'm teaching this stuff to myself like I struggle with having a consistent prayer life and so why is that 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 doesn't it, it seems like it should be easy but a lot of times we struggle with it and it's something that is is like we said an ordinary means of grace so how does prayer nourish us? How does prayer grow our faith, as we talked about when we talked about ordinary means of grace? How does that happen? How is, it, how is prayer nourishing? How is it growing us in our faith? With me, as a grace shows me what he was trying to do before it happened, mm -hmm. I start praying, God protect us, and I pray the blood of Jesus, and guide us, give us understanding. And later on, I get protected. And whoever came to my mind to pray with, they got protected. That's how it happened by the grace of God. Good. It's yeah. not by me. It was His grace that thought of that person, put it in my heart, and opened my mouth with His grace too. Just that God protected. That's all. 
Sure. And got productivity. Yeah, I think it. So, so to kind of boil that down, it shows it helps us to to understand our reliance on God, mm-hmm. to acknowledge who we are and who God is and what He's done for us. Anything else? Anyone else? Well, just to add what you're talking about, we're in our rightful place more. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like the positions there. Um, but the other part, I guess, too, is when either if we're saying it out loud or internally, but we're using some sort of words or something, trying to so it brings a bit of clarity sometimes. It might, it might start off rambling, but somehow there's, at least for me, there could be more clarity about what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Or realize I'm maybe in the wrong direction with people, what I'm thinking or asking. So there's, something about saying it out loud or a processing of like you start to view what you're saying in God's eyes and yeah. realize if it's off or like that's great I think there's also a, an idea of relationship building you know we'll talk about the Lord's Prayer but a lot of time when we talk about prayer when God when Jesus teaches about prayer he he's talking about a relationship like we're talking to our father so there's a relationship building component there in addition to making sure that we understand um, you know where what our acknowledgement of who we are in relation to God um, and then you know the last one of the other things how does prayer nourish us it it helps us with part of reliance is also um, we're requesting things of God so there's a request there there's confession of sin and acknowledgement of our forgiveness or request for forgiveness but there's a lot of, of that kind of going on that's, if it's consistent, is helping us to um, grow in our faith and our reliance to, on God and um, understanding our relationship to Him. Trust in Him. Trust, yeah. Any other thoughts? We were just talking about how does prayer fit in as a, for everyone that's come in, as an as a ordinary means of grace. How does it fit in um, to some of the other things that we've talked about? Some of the psalms are pretty raw, yeah, and they're they're like incredibly honest, mm-hmm. and almost like almost feels inappropriate in some ways, yeah. Which I, I I'm not sure how often people like sometimes like you're supposed to clean it up to talk to God, but I don't think they some of those are not cleaned up much. Mm-hmm. But they end with understand your God and don't turn out the way you want it to. It's like just so you know, this is how I'm feeling right now. Yeah. So there's like an honesty to it. Yeah. Yeah, and I talk. I wanted to get into that with the misconceptions about prayers that it has to be cleaned up. It has to be a certain way, a certain location, a certain posture, and I think that's a misconception that we have about prayer. So we'll uh, kind of transition and talk a little bit about the doctrine of prayer. So what is prayer? And I think the easiest way to explain it um, is that prayer is simply communication with God through Jesus. Um, that's a very simple way of, of uh, just explaining what that is. And it's available to us because of our standing with God. So we are able to pray and communicate with God because of what has been done for us in our salvation. And so the first verse that I wanted to look at is uh, Revelation 3.20. A um, little bit verse heavy for the next little bit. Um, so Revelation 3.20 is the end of the letter to uh, the Church of Laodicea. Um, and I'll just read it. Uh, I'll have you guys read some, uh, pull up some other verses. But it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Um, and so this is, this is a verse. So sitting down and trying to find, you know, try to get verses that would apply to the doctrine of prayer is kind of overwhelming because it's all throughout the Bible. There's lots of different ways that you can go. Um, one of the things that I thought was good was was helpful about this verse is that this is Jesus speaking, um, and he's initiating this communication. So the first aspect of this verse is is that Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking, like he is asking us to commune with him. Like there's a there's an active participant in this verse and there's a passive, and and it's clear that Jesus is the initial um, active participant. It doesn't require our strength. It doesn't require us to to do anything extraordinary. All it requires us is to hear, which we which has been given that the hearing has already been given to us, 
and open the door. So it, it, it's not about um, superhuman strength. It's not about being a spiritual warrior. It's just about it responding to Jesus and um, it requires our will. And then it gets personal. So it does, it's not just a, like a formal communication where you're on the phone with a customer service rep or something. He's saying, I'm going to come into him and eat with him and he with me. Like there's a, there, there's a, the imagery of eating together is something we find throughout the whole scripture. And it's a very personal thing, probably more personal than it is for us now. Um, but there's a personal communion. There's a, there's a, there's, it's more than just a, a thing that I do in my per- devotional time first thing in the morning. Jesus is wanting us to have a relationship with him. He's initiating it. We are responding. He's given us the faith to respond. And then we have this personal relationship. Um, and so one of the corollary verses to that is Matthew 7, 7 to 11. Um, if anyone wants to pull that up and read it. Um, and then we can kind of talk about that. As that's happening, I forgot to give a book plug. Uh, this book has been incredibly helpful. I used some of this uh, to kind of frame some of the conversation. It's by Ole Halsby. It's called Prayer. Really uh, creative title. He was a Norwegian <laughs> theologian, um, and I think he was part of, he was like one of the lesser known Bonhoeffers. So he was in prison during the Nazi um, uh, takeover of their country. It's really practical, it's simple, it's, I, I need like simple language, so it's a really simple language book and it talks about what prayer is and it has a very spiritual and meditational aspect to it. So it's a little book, I, I recommend it. You guys can, I can show it to you after if, if that's, uh, if you guys want. Who's got Matthew 7? I do. All right. ask and it shall be given to you seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it shall be open or what man is there among you when his son shall ask him for a loaf will give him a stone or if he shall ask for a fish he will not give him a snake will he if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do so for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Have I? Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. So this is another aspect of prayer. So the first aspect is that relationship, that Jesus is initiating this relationship and he's asking us to respond. And the way that we respond, one of the ways that we respond is, is in prayer. And this, is, this, is, this teaching is further talking about um, how this relationship is, is, a, is a two-way street. Like he's communicating to us and we're communicating back to him. So in Matthew 7, it talks about asking and seeking and knocking and the response to those actions again these are simple actions uh, kind of a, as corollary to prayer uh, the response is that we're we're being communicated back to there's a there's a sense that this is a this is a communicate it's not a one-way communication um, and so uh, just to kind of any thoughts on that Whoever thirsty comes to me and mm-hmm. be freely Sure. And I look at Jesus being in the open field and ask this is this in the the door is open, it's, he came and whoever he loves us so much he come out, he says, Whoever thirsty and come and drink freely. And then he even told that Samaritan woman, What the water I give you, you never thirst again. Yeah. And this is all to, goes from to Jesus. Yep. Well, it's similar to what Cal was talking about before. Is like Garth Brooks has a song about thanks God for unanswered prayers. Mm-hmm. It's like the what you initially think you want, as you get a better perspective of the way that God might be looking at it, you may realize that that's not really the direction you should be going or what you should be asking for. It may change. Sure. Like what the actual desire of your heart is. Um, 
so just like I think it, clar it can clarify and you can start to maybe different perspective of what you're asking for or yeah. being willing to accept what the outcome is yeah I think I think that's one of the things that is important to, to, to think about with prayer is that it should be a, day, a part of our a regular part of our life that is going to refine our requests and it's going to refine us like that's how it ties back to the it being an ordinary means of grace it is refining us it is building us up so that our desires now are not good maybe not going to be our desires that that maybe what god has for us or what we what we think we need it's like our desires are aligned with god he will us anything sure yeah how yeah. often are they actually aligned yeah yeah i think that's an interesting interesting consideration um, so the other part is is what is our so the other part is what is our disposition when we pray. Um, I think Halsby does a good job of of explaining that prayer is for people that are helpless. So kind of getting back to that initial discussion about what is prayer and how is how it nourishes and grows us is that we have to realize that we are helpless um, without God. We are dependent. We are reliant on God. But the other part of that, and you know, there's some other uh, authors that we'll talk through. Um, the other part of that is it's for the faithful. So even though we're helpless, we have faith that our prayer is meaningful. That first of all, it's growing us, but that it is a communication with God and that he is hearing us um, and potentially uh, and is, is uh, conforming us to his, uh, his son. And then the last thing about the doctrine of prayer is that it's an expected and necessary part of Christian life. If you go through Jesus' teachings in the, in the Gospels, when he talks about prayer, it's always when you pray, not if you pray, not, you know, when you get around to this. It's always when you pray, this. When you pray, don't do this. When you pray, do this. It's an, it's an, assume, an assumption is that we are praying all the time and Jesus's teachings are not about should you pray, um, because he was talking to an audience that you know was was part of it, the the nation of Israel, and that was the ceremonial law was built into their brains, like they knew about all of the communication with God. Um, but he was he's kind of bringing it and saying this is a, an expectation, um, and this is what we should do. So the Westminster Confession of Faith has. Uh, a kind of a statement to, to summarize prayer. So prayer, it says, prayer with thanksgiving being one special part of religious worship is by God required of all men and that it may be acceptable. It is to be made in the name of the Son by the help of the Holy Spirit according to his will with understanding, reverence, humility, fervency, faith, love, and perseverance. And if vocal, in a known tongue. So a little jab to our charismatic folks there at the end. Uh, even, even back then, they were still jabbing them. Um, so uh, that's kind of the idea of what prayer is. It's a communication with God. Uh, it uh, is meant as a way for us to build our relationship with him. It's also meant as a way for us to refine our, to, for God to refine us through that act. Just like scripture reading is, is an opportunity for us to be refined. Um, and so I wanted to get a little bit into the purpose of prayer. Uh, and so another quote, uh, this is from Calvin in the Institutes. Um, he has a chapter on prayer. And he says, We see that nothing is set before us as an object of expectation from the Lord, which we are not enjoined to ask him in prayer. So it is true that prayer digs up those treasure, treasures which the gospel of our Lord discovers to the eye of faith. The necessity and utility of this exercise of prayer, no words can sufficiently express. Assuredly, it is not without cause. Our heavenly father declares that our only safety is in calling upon his name, since by it we invoke the presence of his providence to watch over our interests, of his power to sustain us when weak and almost fainting, of his goodness to receive us into his favor, though miserably loaded with sin. There's another little end of the quote where Calvin just reminds us, even though we are sanctified or we are, we are justified, we're still loaded with sin. He loved to, to make that. So the idea of the purpose of prayer being 
It, we invoke the presence of his providence to watch over our interests. Uh, we invoke the power to sustain us when we're weak and almost fainting. Um, and we invoke his goodness to receive us into his favor. So the purpose of prayer, uh, the, the kind of the three things that I have kind of pulled out from that and from, from scripture is, uh, first, to give God glory. We give God glory when we pray. He's asked us to pray. He's expected us to pray. And so when we pray, we are giving him glory. Uh, we also pray uh, so that God can give us, again, we are the passive participant in this. God can give us the strength and encouragement that we might need. Um, and to conform us to Christ. The third thing would be prayer is used as a means to conform us to Christ. So whether that be overtly um, uh, repenting of our sin and receiving forgiveness, um, but that the flow of prayer is meant to um, conform us to Christ, to sanctify us. Um, and that's how it's an ordinary means of grace. So when we think about um, the giving God glory, we'll talk about the Lord's Prayer and kind of break that down in, in, in a decent amount of depth. Um, but a couple of verses that kind of get to the purpose of prayer for strength and encouragement. The first is 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Um, I'll, I can read that. So to keep, uh, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me, given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So this is uh, Paul uh, explaining to the Corinthians um, his prayer life, in essence, appearing into um, his prayer life where he asked God for his strength, for his, for his uh, calamities and his thorn in the flesh to be taken away from him. And God responds, in essence, not now, right? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so, in, so the response, like Ron was mentioned before, the response that God has for us is not always that he's going to take things away from us, but he's going to give us strength and encouragement while we are working through the difficulties. Thoughts on that? Jesus. He did this. Uh, he says, watch and pray all the time. And I, when I look at praying, I look at Jesus in front of me. And David, David prayed all the time. And Jesus prayed all the time. Even when he was with the uh, had transfiguration, Moses and Elijah, he was praying. And God came and strengthened him before the cross, going on the cross. And he said it. If it's possible, take this cup from me. Sure. But not my but your will. Yeah. Because it was devoted and God strengthened. He says, no, you know, uh, God strengthened him even before he asked him to take the cup over from me by Moses and Elijah, you know. So he went to the cross willingly and strong. He needed to the hot cup. Yeah. Mm -hmm. was encouraged. Yeah, another example of. of prayer that was not answered in the way that it was prayed, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus asked yeah. for the cup to be taken. Even though he knew that that wasn't the plan, yeah. um, he still prayed for it. Uh, and so I think that's another example of, of how prayer can strengthen us uh, and give us encouragement. And then the last is conforming us to Christ. And so how does prayer conform us to Christ? Um, it, it helps us with all the things that we've kind of been talking about. It shows us our reliance on him. It acknowledges who we are and who God is. Uh, it acknowledges our sin uh, and the forgiveness that's available to us or that has been given to us. Um, and um, that's kind of the way that the purpose of prayer. So any other thoughts on the purpose of prayer? That Those were kind of the big things that I kind of pulled out. Yeah. I guess I'm just part of what I'm thinking. It depends who you talk to leaders. Some people that see God as a genie. Yeah. And I guess like, God, which, yeah. I mean, I know you're talking about scripture, that's not the way we're thinking about it, but I'm just thinking that 
not everybody's going to view it in the same way when you're just talking to somebody. Sure. Well, I think I think that's I think that's one of the big points to take take out of prayer, and why we we want to tie it to it being an ordinary means of grace is that it's not about us. Uh, there are benefits that we get from prayer uh, in our Christian life, but it's a, like the benefits that we get are ultimately going to give God glory and and expose what how great Jesus is and what what a what a salvation that we have, versus. Folks that do take prayer to mean, okay, I'm going to pray for this new car and this new job and this nicer house. And if God doesn't give it to me, then, then you know, he's not real or whatever. And that's an extreme example, but I think it shows who are they, what is their heart's disposition when they're praying for things like that? Is it to give God glory and honor or is it to benefit themselves in the in the physical, right? And and there could be, you know, there could be prayers for healing from sickness and things like that. But I think the heart disposition when we when we approach prayer is the difference, um, and what Scripture across the board teaches us. It's not about us. We are a recipient of tremendous grace, and one of the ways that we communicate with that grace and communicate and and learn about it even more is through prayer. I view it as an incredible privilege. Yeah. It's, uh, it goes all the way back to the fall. Sure. Uh, there's image and likeness stuff associated here in prayer. Like, we're the only creation created for that fellowship. Uh, Doug, Doug Searle would, would tell us in his class that we are the praying mammal. Um, so that that's what makes us unique compared to all the other creation. You know, it's like, what, what makes you you, right? It's not consciousness, it's not any of these other things, it's the ability to pray. And even in the Old Testament wrathful God, right? Like that, that ability was there. Yeah. So uh, it was more formalized in that right. setting, right? There was a process for prayer, which makes it an even greater blessing that we have now is that there's, it's so simple for us. Uh, and Jesus has simplified, simplified it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. You know, one yes. thing of benefit of prayer for the beginners, beginners that they don't know God, at first they do ask, for I want this, I want that, do this, I want this job, I want to favor, you know. And they get it, sometimes they don't. But as we keep on praying, uh, they don't give up and keep on praying. Yeah. Or an attitude change toward we get to know God and because they don't know God. That's when we started like a beginner swimming. Yeah. You know As we practice more, we learn to swim more better. And same thing with God as we come to Him and ask. Then not, uh, at first we won't get it, we get mad. But as we pray, talking to Him, we get some kind of relief and hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more we do it, or wants changes, or wants to become yeah. His, because He wants the best for us. We get to know Him better if we don't stop praying to keep on going. Our relationship with Him becomes stronger. Yeah. And He draws us more. Sometimes He won't give it to us so we can draw to Him to ask Him more. Yep. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah I, think, I think that gets back to some of the conversations that we've had in previous weeks is that. Uh, we don't just do these things when we feel like it. It's This is not an emotion-based experience. We don't treat anything else that we want to get better at in, the, in, in any other part of our lives right. uh, to just do when we feel like it, right? So, you know, I teach in a doctorate program and I tell my students to study every day and study when you don't feel like it and study when your friends are you know, because there's an end goal, like there's a process that they need to pro- progress to so that they can care well for their future patients, right? And so when we think about scripture and prayer and, and the other things that we'll talk about in this class, there's a sense in which there's a discipline component and a work component to it that we can't ever get better at praying. We can't ever, you know, have a deeper desire to pray if we're not doing it as much as we can, even when we don't feel like it, you know? So it's not an option. This is not an optional thing for a, a Christian, for a, a true believer. 
it's something that we have to work at, that we have to grow at. And yeah, we get the ditches of, you know, the ditches of legalism and antinomianism that were discussed previously. But I think there's a sense in which God expects us to do this. And God expects us to do this more and more as we grow and conform ourselves to Christ. And so that requires work. I don't want to go to work on Tuesday morning. I already know that. I, you know, I'm going to watch fireworks till late on Monday night, and I don't want to go work on Tuesday. But I'm going to go to work on Tuesday, right? Um, because that's what I have to do. And so in the Christian life, there are things that God has given us to do that are part of us growing in our relationship so that 10 years from now, we're not the same as we are today. In the same way in our jobs or as a musician, when you started playing a guitar, 10 years after you did that, you weren't the same because you worked at it. You were disciplined. And so I think there's a sense in which that needs to be part of the conversation for all of these uh, means of grace. And our prayer, even as we practice it and, and subjectively it looks better or more in line, we still know that the heart is really deceitful. Yeah. And it tells us that uh, we don't know how to pray as we ought. Sure. The spirit groans or intercedes with groans too deep for words. And the blood of Christ itself like yeah. cleanses our prayers as it approaches the mercy seat. Absolutely. Um, we'll, and we'll talk about the mediation uh, aspect of that. But and, and you're right, when I talk when we talk about work and discipline, we're do, we're not doing that on our own. We're not right. pulling us up by our bootstraps, right? That was the first thing we mentioned. That's what the ordinary means of grace is, right? It's appointed by God. God's telling us to do it but we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. So not only that, and then there's a cleansing aspect to it because we're praying in Jesus' name. John, when I first came to the Lord, uh, in his providence, a book was put in my hands. In your life, is it prayer or pretense? And so I read the book. and has a lot of right principles, God's principles. But the one thing that stuck with me all these years is that prayer is initiated in the heart of God. Mm -hmm. So when we even think about, I I should be talking to the Lord about this, it's because he's saying, you need to talk to me about this. And so that's been very helpful to me that when that thought comes, I think, I wonder how late I am, you know, because... um, (laughs) How long have I been ignoring it subconsciously? Right, but it is so, and then he pointed out that when it is initiated from the heart of God and comes to us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we send it back to Him, we know we have what we've asked for because we've asked in accordance with His will. Sure. And it and it is so, it builds. It just does. Mm. It builds, and, and you can't wait for the next time He tells you, you need to be talking to me yeah. about this, you know. Yeah. And, and it makes it, it doesn't matter where you are because we don't, I was looking at this thing about some coach that, yeah, he could pray with his group, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. I don't know what that was all about because sure. I didn't read the whole thing. But the first thought that came to me was, well, he may not could have prayed out loud, but he, no, they can't stop him from praying. No. And yeah, so, no. you know, I, it, I guess just realizing how much of our whole life in Christ is Christ. Sure. And our desires matter, right? Our desires are not to get stuff or even to, to be have our, our, our pain removed. Right. Our desires are to be conformed to Christ more and right. more. And that's because who gives us our desires? Sure. If God we're living our lives. Yep. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's just such a, a uplifting and building thing to carry us through life. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, all right, I want to transition and spend most of the rest of the time talking about the structure and function of prayer. Um, so obviously we're going to go to the Lord's Prayer. So if someone can pull up Matthew 6 uh, and 5 through 15 and read for us. And when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have the rewarding pool. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. 
and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition, as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray, then, in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you, for, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Awesome. Um, so let's let's kind of talk through uh, this a little bit. So I think the first part is really helpful and kind of reemphasizes some of the points we've made about the heart disposition when we approach prayer. It's not about us. It's not about us looking good or making ourselves feel better about ourselves. It's about honoring God. And um, that first part of the teaching really goes into that. And so, and he also kind of takes a pot shot at not, you know, he takes a shot at the Gentiles, the other religions of the day that were using prayer. First of all, they were praying to gods that didn't exist, but they were using prayer as a means of like getting, getting their God to, to pay attention um, to them and to, you know, almost the, the, the method of their prayer was a, was a way to, um, to awake their gods to do what they wanted, right? Again, the disposition of the heart was totally different. Um, so the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism, and, and uh, we've been working through the, the Baptist Catechism with, uh, with Eleanor at home, um, has actually breaks down the Lord's Prayer into six petitions. Um, and so pretty much across the Reformed um, sphere, there's, there's this um, common breaking down of the Lord's Prayer. And so the six petitions, so first, the prayer starts, starts with our Father in Heaven. Like there's a personal component to it. There's, there's your Father knows what you need before you ask for it, right? That's the preface. And then the prayer starts with our Father in Heaven. There's a personal nature. There's a relationship that's there that's been created by God but that we are fostering and developing with our prayer. Uh, the first petition is, hallowed be your name. So one of the components of prayer should be that we're giving God his, the glory that he's due, right? That's one of the, that's the first, que- well, second question in the catechism is, you know, or third, I think, why did God create you for his own glory? Um, and so the idea that we start by acknowledging who God is and how holy he is and that that's our first disposition like our first point is not about us our first point is what who is god and we are acknowledging that his name should be honored by us and all men is what the catechism says the second uh, petition is thy kingdom come um, which is the the catechism says that the gospel should be preached in all the world and believed and obeyed by us and all men. That's the second uh, petition. The third is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the earth, the men on earth may serve God as the angels do in heaven. So there's a component of what's happening is we're starting from God and working our way into the world and his kingdom is advancing. We're praying that his kingdom advances. We're praying that um, his will would be done. We know it will be done but we're acknowledging that his will, he's sovereign and that his will will be done. And we're praying that that happens. And then it goes to, so it goes from a kind of an adoration to sort of at the next part, the next two are, um, are asking for things. So it says, give us this day, our daily bread, um, the fourth petition. And that is God giving us things that we need for our bodies. So there's an intensely personal aspect to that part of the prayer and that he, we're not, that comes before even thinking about forgiveness of sin. The next thing is like, give us what we need to survive and, and in some sense to, to be part of uh, those previous two position, petitions of advancing the kingdom um, and his will being done. And then it says, forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So 
there's a disposition of we want to acknowledge our sin and acknowledge our forgiveness, but then we also want to acknowledge that there's a horizontal aspect to sin, that sin is not just a vertical thing, but it's also horizontal. Um, and then the last is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so not only do we acknowledge that we have sinned uh, against God and against others, but then we're asking God in the future, keep, keep me from sinning, help me to not sin. Um, and so that's sort of the Lord's Prayer is kind of this, this overriding, like these are the kinds of things. They don't all have to be in every prayer, but these are the kinds of things that we should be praying for. This is the kind of structure that we should have um, to our prayers. Thoughts about that? Things I missed. I think it's so neat that when we run into the throne room, we say Father. Mm-hmm. Um, because right away we are recognizing to him why we are even in there, why we think we would get an audience with him because of his son. Mm-hmm. And so right away we've given Christ the glory he deserves that we're not here because of us, Father. We're here because Jesus made it possible for us to come here. Sure. And I think that is thrills my heart. Yeah. <laughs> and. And then the other part is um, that then we address him as Yahweh, sure, as who he is, and that was imp- that's important to me because God desired for us to know him other than just God. That's a title. He wanted us to know his name, so yeah. he told us his name, and that's that's so important. I think the start of the, the, the prayer is just so, that's a great way to, to think about it. Like first, first, he's our daddy, yeah. he's our Abba, he's our yeah. father, right? Then I want you to hollow my name. <laughs> like not, it's like, so your daddy is here and he's a big deal, that's right? right? Like that's how the prayer starts. Like our dad is a big deal right. um, and we should give him the glory that he deserves for that. But we get to approach him as our dad. Like he's, right. that's a personal thing. You know, as you were saying, forgive ourselves, so we forgive others. I was looking at it, come to my thoughts, enlighten me. God, like a waterfall, come over us and then forgive ourselves. Like a waterfall comes on, and when waterfall comes, it doesn't stay there, it ran away. Mm-hmm. So as His forgiveness comes to us, we are not to keep it to ourselves, we have to forgive others. Sure. And share it. So as we forgive others, all of pains and suffering will go because sometimes that cringe and make us sick and you know keep us uncomfortable. But as we forgive all the pain, everything that relieves, and we will have that rest with God and with ourselves and with others. Sure. Yeah. So that's why I was saying that whatever coming through us, and then we let it run through us to the one that did us yeah. wrong. So. And even so, one of the ways that the gospel advances is by that us living our lives differently in a horizontal way. So forgiving people that have sinned against us is a is a is a means that God uses to to advance His kingdom. Other thoughts. The the last thing that I wanted to talk about with the structure and function of prayer is things that we've already touched upon before. A few points that we mentioned before, but. Um, why do we finish? Why are, why are we do we typically finish our prayers by uh, saying in Jesus' name or some form of that? He asked us. Okay. So why do we ask in my name? Yeah, whatever you ask in my name. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we remind him to the Father what he did for us and for him on earth, sacrifice. Yep. So God remember what he did. Yeah. It's like yeah. a setting apart a sanctification of it, uh, where you're saying in your name is like in the name of the king, so it's not it's not just <clears throat> the name that matters, it's it's the, the like the will, the um, yeah. what's desired and stuff by that name, by that person. You're invoking an authority. Yes. Yes. And so at the name of the Lord, this evil has to flee. Sure. So when we say in the name of Jesus our prayer will be protected. Mm-hmm. There will be no evil can come and take our prayer away, interfere with our prayer. When we say the name of Jesus, has to 
our doubt that it will be in our heart has to fill in. Fill in the name we believe and trust. So it protects yeah. our prayer. Seals. It seals it. <laughs> a, I really like that, that thought that it, it protects our prayers. Um, for, a, for a long time, I've, I've thought of that tagline in Jesus' name as just that, just a tagline. Mm -hmm. That, okay, well, that's the way we're supposed to pray, so I'll pray. Or, you know, in, in I'll, I've heard a lot of people say, in your name. Well, Scripture says it should be in Jesus', Jesus name, yeah. right? And so the, the normal... Um, direction that we're given in scripture is to pray who to the Father through the Spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. Right, so that's the normative means of prayer. It doesn't mean that we can't pray to the Son because, hey, Jesus, thank you so much for being willing to die for me. He's God. We can pray to Him. Um, we can pray to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit, thank you for staying with me even though I grieve you so often. Thank you for never leaving me or forsaking me, right? Yeah. We can pray to the Holy Spirit because he is God. But the normal method of prayer is to pray to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we just use in Jesus' name as a tagline, then we can say, hey, I really love that new car, in Jesus' name. <laughs> okay, now let's switch around what in Jesus' name means and say, Father, I'm praying to you for this thing because I think this is truly what Jesus wants for me. Yeah. Now, can you really pray, I want that car, it in changes, Jesus' name? It changes yeah. our disposition. It completely changes, yeah. right? Yeah, um, yeah so... I think also like on a daily basis, like you tell your older kids to go tell the younger kids what to do. Yeah. You're like, hey, dad told, yeah. tell them, dad said come here. Right? <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. It's like we can't have any ability to pray without what Jesus has done. Right. Sure. So we have no ability to say anything to the Father unless Jesus has done what he's done and been the high priest for us and purpose sure. and all that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah. And so your kids have no authority against each other and they'll bang their heads against each other all day but if you say hey because the dad or mom said so then all of a sudden there's authority associated yeah yeah so we're invoking authority we're praying according to the will of jesus which is why we would invoke his name at the end we're praying through his mediation he's mediating our prayers he's bringing our prayers to the throne room um so yeah i think those are all kind of the reasons why we do that we invoke that in Jesus name because of those because we're not just using it as a tagline to finish our prayer like okay I'm trying to think of what else to pray for well let's just do it in Jesus name and finish <laughs> it off there's a meaning behind why we do that we say those words for for a reason um, and uh, so the last thing I just had when I was looking through Calvin's uh, the Institutes in the chapter on prayer he has four rules for prayer that I think is a really kind of good way to summarize all the conversations we've had so far. The first rule is that we approach prayer with reverence. So we, we have a reverence for God and for Jesus and for the Holy Spirit when we pray. Um, the second is that we approach prayer from a sincere sense of want and repentance. So we're coming to God with a sincere sense of want. We want the things that God wants for us. We don't want a new car or a higher salary. We give up all confidence. He uses the word, word vainglory, which I think is great. Uh, but we give up all confidence in ourselves. So we're not coming to prayer puffed up, like Jesus starts his teaching on prayer, puffed up. We come with, with no confidence in ourselves. We can't bring anything to the table. Um, and we're coming to, um, to communicate with God uh, without any self-confidence. And then the last um, rule of prayer is that we pray with confident hope. And I think that is the last thing. So we are, we are people of faith, and we are praying confidently, especially when we're praying with those other things kind of in line. We're praying confidently that God is going to sanctify us, that when we pray 
when we uh, confess our sins, we are confident, we confidently hope that those sins have been forgiven. When we pray that we would have a deeper relationship and knowledge of God, those are things that are in line with what he wants for us. And so we can pray with confidence. Um, the last thing, and we've just got a few more minutes, a couple more minutes, um, is I just wanted to talk about some difficulties with prayer. Um, so a couple of the things that we hear, it's not that important. I think we've explained that it is very important and it's an essential thing and something that God expects. Um, can God see and hear my thoughts? Yes. <laughs> so why should I pray? He told us to. He told us to. So even though he already knows what you're thinking before you're thinking it probably, yes. he still tells us to pray. So it's still an essential part even though he knows what we're thinking. He knows what our desires are, even if those are desi- those desires are in his well, if those uh, thoughts are not addressed toward him. Yeah. Yep. John, that's something I, I have a coworker who's sort of new to the faith or has been exposed to it for a long time, but it's just coming into into actual belief of it. And she asked me today that, you know, what if if, if God already knows what's gonna happen, why should we pray? Why should we evangelize? I think yeah. it's particularly like about evangelism or sharing the gospel. Um and sort of the question I always come back to working through that for myself was after sort of reading and, and thinking is why wouldn't you want to the, the fact that the fact that he we all know he doesn't need us to like he doesn't need our prayers yeah he doesn't need us to advance his kingdom he honestly doesn't need us for anything but he's actually asked us to participate yeah like he like he doesn't need us he's like I don't need you but I'd like you I'd like you to be with me I'd like yeah. you to do this with me and so that like that part that invitation to be a participant in the outworking of what of what God is doing through His own power, through the power of the Holy Spirit, like He invites us to participate in that, right? And so, yes, it's through the power of the Spirit that we do it, but He invites us to do that. So it's like we don't know who will come to Christ, who won't, but we part get of the Great to. Commission is that we're commanded to go make disciples. Yeah, we're, we're we're called to share the gospel. It's like, well, I don't know if that person's going to ever believe. I don't know. If it's like it doesn't matter. You're you're being asked to participate in it. Yeah. And there's a joy in participating in it because God asked you to do it so you get to do it with Sure. Him. Same with prayer, right? If he knows my thoughts, like why do I need to like physically sit down and say these words out loud? It's like, well, he's asked us to. Yeah. And we get to participate in that. He doesn't need it, but he wants us to. So why wouldn't we want to do that if he wants to do it with us? Sure. Also puts us in the place of recognizing our own complete and utter dependence sure. yeah. upon him. Yeah. When we ask God for stuff, it's because we realize we can't do it ourselves. Um, just the other day, my son was was just brokenhearted and distraught over some YouTuber that he's never met, but that he's watched for years, and he died because of cancer. Mm. And he was so broken. And I said, you know, the the reason why you're so upset about this, not because you knew the guy. It's because you recognize that there's something wrong about a 23-year-old yeah. dying, yeah. right? And you're not comfortable with that. You are fighting through that. Well, you know, the only way you're going to get any sort of comfort through that is to pray to the God who can comfort you. Sure. And he said, well, what if I walk out of this room and I don't feel like praying? Okay. God can handle that. Yeah. You know, but unless you do that, you're not going to have comfort you're going to sure. not have any hope in this world. Yeah. <laughs> but when you talk to the one who is able to do all things, including you the desire to pray. Exactly. Right? Now you're going to have hope and you're going to have uh, trust because you're talking to the supreme ruler of the entire universe. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the only one who can give you peace and comfort through this. Absolutely. It's all about full, complete dependence on them. Yep. The other things I had were just location, setting, vocal versus silent. All those things are just preferences. Um, You know, I think there there is something to having dedicated time (coughs) where your thoughts are only on prayer versus, you know, sometimes when I'm driving, I'll be praying while I'm coming into work, but I'm not totally... I'm also focused on not killing myself on the interstate, right? Um, but the but so God. You don't close your eyes when you pray. No. <laughs> so all of those particulars are preferences. I don't. There's no scripture that talks about how it needs to be besides the disposition of heart. 
so you're not getting up in front of everybody and trying to make a big thing of yourself. It's about uh, a disposition of heart and, and a focus on Him. So uh, the last thing is uh, just, so we talked about prayer being expected. Um, the other thing is that prayer is learned. Prayer is, is something that we should be encouraged to do even when we don't feel like it. We should be praying that God would give us desire to pray. Um, we should be meditating on scripture that talks about prayer and we should be talking about prayer with others. Like this class has been a really good encouragement um, in praying with others. If you're new to prayer, like pray with other people and see how they do it. You know, I think that's helpful. The last thing is that prayer is answered. Um, prayer gets answered. Prayer gets answered. And that is a reality that we don't pray to a God that doesn't exist or the God that is not paying attention to us prayer is answered and that is i think an important point that i wanted to finish on so next week we're going to get into the basics or the the kind of the weeds of corporate family and and uh, private prayer i hope i didn't step on your toes too much danny any last points yeah my question uh, as you guys were talking about you know invoking the name of jesus for so it's a protection of our prayers i was thinking kind of like a vpn Right? It's like a, you know, I'm thinking, is the Lord expecting us to have private prayer with Him? I mean, are some things should be like kept under our breath? And I, you, you see what I'm kind of yeah. going with that? Well, it does, Jesus Himself said, when you pray, go into the inner room. Yep. Right. You know, well, and, I can't. and the things that are done in, in private, you know, so it, it's, a, it's more about you not wanting to get. Uh, approval and attention from other people. Right. Right. It's it's about hey, you've got things to pray about. Pray about it. Yeah. Don't don't try to pat yourself on the on the back no, because my, you're praying. My question is more on the side of are we worried about hacking? <laughs> no, I'm serious, Sam. I'm wondering are Well you will hack in into unseen and if it, and you will find that what you become invited. Is, is that is that sound crazy? But I'm, my my concern is are is there some prayers that we should be keeping under our breath and some things that you can say out loud. I don't know. I think he's well, saying I'm because saying. Satan doesn't know our thoughts. So if oh. you Yeah. To, to hey, Jesus is the king of the universe, yeah. and he's not, there's no, he's not on an equal footing with, I, with Satan. Dumb question, but public, no, you're good. public prayer is good too, but there are some things I, I would suspect probably, I come from a church that has a, had a very, almost exclusively public prayer or prayer way of doing things where you pray a lot in groups together, and, and the danger with that can be not that you should never pray in public there's a time for it but mm-hmm. in certain types of denominational settings or if you're just simply someone who's not very much spiritually mature yet it can become like uh, a fair sequel in terms of like mm-hmm. it can become more for public display or if you're praying wrong-heartedly even out loud because sometimes we pray in our flesh you know we, we, we pray after things that aren't in line with God's will or you know we just have weekdays and Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes maybe those aren't best to be presented in front of others sure yeah the subject sometimes like you know if you're praying about a personal sin you know the the world can pray and God can be knowledgeable of it because he knows everything but there's a difference for the someone who's really in Christ that prays to him because we have that intercessory element that mediational element from Jesus Mm -hmm. He carries our prayers to the Father, but uh, so I think a lot of that just has to deal with, uh, like someone else said, I think some prayers are best prayed in private. Yeah. Because of the subject matter, because of if we're not in the right heart mindset, and then sometimes there there is good times to pray together. We pray at our HFGs together sometimes, and yeah. those are great blessings and times. Yeah. But. You know, to do that exclusively for show, I think that's a big part of what. That's what Jesus was saying. Jesus yeah. was dealing with. Yeah. yeah. You know, well. at this day that Jesus is trying to come soon, is coming soon. I realize, I get, I used to pray all the time. Now I get, as I do it later, I get so sleepy. When I start to pray, mm-hmm. I sleep. As I get up early, then I won't. And we need to pray for all of us. 
to God give us the strength not to yeah. to escalate it is all to in, keep us in I think Satan's trying to keep us from praying. Yeah. Because we're praying, he's gone, you know. And Jesus comes. So pray that we do encourage each other yeah. to but all the believers to come to stand up with the prayer. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to pray for us. I'm sorry we went a few minutes over. I didn't expect that. Right. It's great. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, this group of folks. Uh, thank you for the conversation that was had. Thank you for the encouragement um, that I have received, but I'm sure that others have received. We pray that you would help us all to have a desire and a willingness to pray and to pray all the time and to um, grow in our relationship with you through this means of grace that you've given us. We thank you for it. We thank you that you're our dad and we get to have a relationship with you, but we thank you for how powerful you've made prayer and how meaningful you've, you've made it uh, and that we get to participate in it as often as we want. And so we thank you for it. We pray that you'd be with the worship this morning um, and that you'd be with all of us uh, as we go to the to, into the holiday, um, and keep us safe and keep the folks traveling safe as well. It's in your it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.